Happy trade deadline, everybody. It is now 4.26 p.m. Eastern time. Everyone's minds are blown. My jaw is still on the floor. I'm flabbergasted. I'm confused. I'm shocked. I'm surprised. I'm all the above. Ronan, how, how are you doing? We got it. We got the trade that we, I think everyone wanted, not, not in, the, in the specifics, but the Ben Simmons saga is finally over. He's headed to Brooklyn. James Harden is heading to Philly. We got it. Look, uh, uh, is the Ben Simmons saga over? Well, we'll get into that in a sec. But, man, like, big picture here. Big picture. This is just the epitome of, I would say, the issue of, of player empowerment and how, like, I'm wearing right now, if you can't see, if you're on YouTube, you can see that, but I'm wearing a James Harden jersey. Houston Rockets James Harden jersey. Back when I was a big Houston uh, stand for Harden. And this is now, within the span of a year, two times over an irrelevant Jersey. And dude, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't wrap my head around the, the implications of this long-term, how a star, a, a superstar, James Harden is a bona fide superstar has bullied his way out of Houston to get to Brooklyn. That was like, okay, we'll give him a pass. You know, like he's been there for so long. Like it's finally going to get to a situation where you could compete then he gets to Brooklyn, and you know how many games Kyrie, KD, and Harden have played together? 16. 16. We were talking about the next best offensive team ever, and they would have been. And in the times they played together, they absolutely were. But you know, we'll never see that. We will never have the chance to see that. I mean, God forbid this the, the whole COVID thing. Kyrie thing, KD playing a million minutes this season and getting hurt. And then now hard. And like, it's, it's weird how this has been played out, especially not hearing much from Harden. And then this morning we hear he, he, he feared the backlash. He didn't want to formally request a trade, but I mean, this is the, the worst kept secret of all time, uh, but just running how Maybe we should walk through the, the past few days. Cause when we last were on air, I was pretty dead set on, you know, I, I don't think it's going to happen for, for a number of reasons, but this seemed to unfold pretty quickly. And I'll admit, I was, I was wrong. I was wrong. It's, it, it happened. You're right. Went down and James Harden is now a Philadelphia 76er. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think we heard every possibility over the last few days you hear from one angle. Oh, there's no trade talks going on. Then you hear another, Oh yeah. Trade talks have are going on. There's nothing. Nothing, uh, nothing too, too forward yet, but there have been talks. Then you hear, oh, there's no way James Harden's getting traded. Then James Harden doesn't want to leave. Then he does want to leave. Then Simmons kind of comes out, oh, he's really excited about a move to Brooklyn. He's already talked to KD. And then finally today, mental health is fixed. It, it eventually, it eventually comes out that uh, the trade has been made just a few hours before the deadline. And it was it was probably the best uh, the best thing for both teams overall. It's kind of hard to say who really wins this trade, but I, all I'd say is both these teams just made a move to win a championship. So it's going to come down to whichever team gets more rings out of this. That's what yeah. that's where the win yeah. is going to come down to. It, it's always been about that with the Nets. That's how I see it. Um, and I mean, this, this is just prime time for hot takes. Stephen A. Smith is already out there saying this is going to go down as the worst move of all time for Daryl Morey, um, which uh, maybe, I mean, 
It's still I, good. It's I, still I, good in fairness. I think the, the way we're looking at it now, Darren Moore is either a genius or a complete and total moron. Whichever way, uh, it, it yeah, comes, it's, it it's comes always like that, it. right? I, yeah. I hate. I, I hate. There's no room for any nuance in sports. It's either like I was best thing ever, or the worst thing ever. And it's 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 there's no in between. But um, let, let's talk about this in terms of impact this season. And yeah, it comes down to a championship. And it's pretty easy to see. This gives both teams a huge chance to compete. And for the Nets, I guess, it's just a question of what version of Ben Simmons are you getting? And we've already talked about what this team is going to have to do in terms of fitting him in there. And I'm really curious to see how that's going to work because you just took out James Harden and you're essentially replacing him with Ben Simmons. Katie's still out. Kyrie's still playing half the time. I, I forget how many games it is, but it is it's less than 20 games that he has left to play. And you're going to rely on Ben Simmons to create basically the lion's share of the offense for the rest of this um, season. And they are right now careening into the play-in. We haven't seen Ben Simmons on a court for almost a year now. So it's, it's a little risky here for, for the Nets. I will say that they're not in the clear right now. Um, I, I'm, I'm wondering what else are they going to do? I mean, they, they did bring in Drummond, which is a huge help. That, that can't be understated. Mm. Drummond is going to bring the interior help that they've needed all season long, and he is far better than any buyout candidate they possibly could have hoped for. Um, Seth Curry, in terms of getting a reliable shooter to replace what they've been missing from Joe Harris, you honestly can't get better than that. You really can't. So, you know, you, you might have a ton of adjustments in terms of play style, and maybe for the better, maybe maybe Harden's uh, ball stopping, uh, lack of off ball movement. Maybe, maybe those are things that are potentially going to be positive changes for the Nets in terms of replacing just the, the lack of off ball creation, lack of defense that Simmons is going to bring a ton of. But there's going to be a massive change in terms of what Nash is going to have to do to figure everything out. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think that's that's the way that they seem to be talking already. It's just a, a fact they're going to take kind of as, almost as long as they can to get whether they have to get Simmons' head right or not. We don't we don't uh, fully know that for sure, but just getting him up to the role that they want him to be playing as a Brooklyn Net, and I think they'll be happy enough if he is there for maybe even the last couple of weeks you think of the regular season and he's absolutely ready to be the best version of himself, the the version of Ben Simmons that they want in their lineup uh, come, come playoff time. I think that that's kind of the plan that seems to be in place in Brooklyn, but just a question, I guess, how long does it take to get Ben Simmons up to, up to scratch really? He's not, he's not played all year. He can't be, obviously I'm sure he's been working out, but he can't be at peak peak level at this moment. So kind of, Depends how long it takes to get him get him up and running, but they they've taken a chance, but they've also given themselves a bit more of a a, a balance within the team when everything is all healthy and good. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of a tough one. It's kind of a wait and see, really, which to where to what we see, like you said, uh, what we what we see of Ben Simmons, what version of Ben Simmons, uh, yeah, comes out. Yeah. And let's, okay. So let's play the hot take game then because everyone's doing it. And instead of just saying, let's wait and see, let's, let's just predict, let's predict and let's assume, and I'll, I'll do this. I'll, I'll assume and I'll dumb it down. The fact that Ben Simmons 
is the best perimeter defender in the league point blank period and he is the second best defender in the league overall period kevin durant is the best scorer in the league period kyrie irving from the point guard position is arguably still the best shot creator in the league and let's let's just say the the vaccine mandate that goes there's not getting into politics, but I mean, the news seems to be trending towards that's a strong possibility. Um, just with that alone, talk about all the role playing around them. They have really, really set them up themselves up for being a very unbeatable team. Very unbeatable based on that balance you talked about. I, I don't I don't think that that Kevin Durant gets enough credit for the defense he plays having him and Ben Simmons as long rangy wings that can switch on bigs that can help in passing lane that, that they can do anything a race shot. Like they're going to be way, 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 way better defensively. And in terms of their, their difficulty rebounding too, again, I, I think Andre Drummond, that, that's one thing that I'm glad Stephen A. Smith mentioned, because that that's actually a big part of this deal that Drummond is not just an add in, like he's a huge part of this and same with Curry, but I think if we're going to talk hot takes, I think this definitely brings the the Brooklyn Nets back into a title favorite. I put them back into a favorite. That there's if if Simmons is healthy, this is the big if. Simmons is healthy, KD just keeps going on with his rehab. They can sneak into um, six seed. They're they're the favorites in my opinion. If if that if those things go right for them, those aren't outrageous things to go right. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think the the fact that there's a likelihood they're gonna they could end up being a a fifth or sixth seed in these playoffs is, is really really kind of scary. I mean, if you're uh, if you're one of the top teams and you end up having to play go 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 through them uh, that early, I mean, it's it's gonna be a massive blow and it's it's gonna be a different look. They've they've still got the unbelievable offensive power. But now they have the capabilities of being a much, much improved defense. And then, then it gets back to just being being scary again. It's just being, oh shit, the Nets are looking pretty, pretty damn unstoppable. But you always gotta see what you see out of Ben Simmons uh, in the postseason. That's uh, one thing he hasn't uh, learned how to do uh, as a as a 76er. And no, no, I don't think any player in the last 10 years is there. Uh, has uh, uh, looked too good as a 76er when it came to uh, came to the crunch, crunch time outside of probably Jimmy Butler and that one year that he was with them. Well, let, let me say this. Um, we, we've harped on and on and on about what Simmons is going to be able to do when he is the center, when he is played at the five, what he can do there. And we pointed to examples of it last year. Um, I'll keep saying how he dominated the Jazz because that was one of the greatest performances I've seen out of him. If if the Nets do this right, I mean, they've played, they, they've been playing with guys like, like Claxton and Dayron Sharp out there at, as at the five and what Ben Simmons is going to be able to do at the five. That that's going to be what unlocks his, his potential, I think. Um, and also I think, I hope we're in a new paradigm here, a new understanding of who Ben Simmons is as a player. And I think that's a big part of this whole deal is this isn't just 
this isn't just about these teams. I mean, this is in terms of Ben Simmons as a player acknowledging what he is and what he's supposed to be. Because that's, I mean, the Nets are, aren't just giving up James Harden. The Nets are giving up the guy they just mortgaged their entire future for. So I think they're going to be incredibly careful with what they do with Simmons because, you know, he's he's the type of star that needs things to be built his way. KD can play anyway. Kyrie can play anyway. And I think they're going to be able to compliment him in a way that suits him best. And it doesn't matter what that's going to be. I think even in the playoffs, if he's missing free throws, it's going to be like, well, hey, that's our that's that's Ben Simmons. And, but then when he's a demon defensively and he's doing all these other things, like they're going to say that's Ben Simmons. So I, I hope this, I hope this notion that all these expectations should continue with him. I hope that goes away. I hope this is a fresh start, honestly. Yeah, that, that's, that's the best thing. I mean, when, when Simmons was first uh, drafted by Philadelphia, we were looking at this guy and we we're thinking, Oh my God, he could really be not only this defensive powerhouse, but he could be so key offensively. And now the fact that, Obviously, he can't shoot. That's that's just simple. Unless he's found that in a, a while. Hey, 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 Ronan, that's, that's did you see the open gym on. shooting? Did yeah, you see yeah, the shooting yeah. on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but the fact now that he's obviously playing with uh, two elite scorers in Kyrie and KD, guys who can do it no matter what the situation, night in, night out, you hope that, that that's, that's going to be huge for him. The pressure is just so completely off him. All he's got to be is... Uh, elite defender and an elite playmaker. And those are two things. I think those are almost the, the minimum we expect out, out of Ben Simmons because that's that's just the ability that he has. And now, hopefully, we get to see it in Brooklyn. Yeah, I, I, I believe in it. I do. I think even though the New York media is quite loud, Brooklyn is not the same as, as the Knicks. The, the Nets are not the same as the Knicks in terms of media coverage and, you know, fan base. Um, so it's, even though it's in a big market, it doesn't can't come with that same sort of like rabid fan, but he's not going to be plastered by like the, the local weatherman, like crapping on his life. Like it's not going to happen <laughs> in Brooklyn. So, I mean, for, in terms of comfort level, that, that should be an improvement. Um, but moving over to the 76ers, we, this is another thing we've talked about a lot is getting him beat help and specifically if you get him a guy like Harden, if you get him a top five playmaker, Harden's a top three playmaker, in my opinion, he can finally be playing off the ball. He can finally effectively be in the pick and roll. He finally will be able to play the way that, you know, he was supposed to in the beginning. Like these, he was never really meant to just be this ISO heavy big man, especially the way he has to do it on the wing so often. I think this is going to be scary. It, this is going to unlock a massive part of Embiid's game that we haven't seen before. Yet you have literally not seen him consistently across any stretch of his career have a legitimate playmaker run pick and roll with him. And it's such a simple, simple thing. But it's, for a reason, one of the most unbeatable plays in basketball. And I, I, I'm not going to start throwing around, like, comparisons around here. But, I mean, Harden, Harden's no Kobe at all, at all, at all, at all. From the two-guard position, you, you just think uh, a dominant guard who can get in the paint, who has a quick first step, who could read read the defense really well, and a dominant big like Shaq. Uh, you, you think you think about um, think about in the Jazz back when you had the the mailman. 
I, I think comparisons like that, I think this is could be a short-lived one. Maybe Harden continues to decline. Maybe this isn't really what it's meant to be. But if he can get back in his rhythm, if he can get back in shape, damn it, then this is going to be a pairing that Embiid's needed his entire career. Yeah, let, let's hope that that the Philadelphia 76ers put a bit of pressure on Harden to to get in a bit of better shape. Obviously, he's had different issues. The hamstring still, still seems to be lingering. And it's just a general decline. I mean, he's 32 now. So it's just it just, just what happens to some guys. The, the, the body type's not quite quite uh, the same as a as a LeBron or something like that. And they, they, they decline that little bit quicker. But Harden can definitely do a bit more to be in better shape. But at the same time, I think this moment in his career, he's happier to be the place setter. The way he's been going on, he's much. He's going to be a lot happier to be in Philadelphia with his boy Daryl Morey, and I think he's got a relationship with the the Philly owners and stuff too. So he's going to be a lot happier there. Maybe he can get his passion back for the game as much as anything. But it's going to be a real interesting combo. I think, like you said, the the pick and roll is really going to be. It's going to be something to behold, and I'm really really excited to. Uh, to see how these two guys play together. I think it could be a bit of a blow uh, losing Drummond in terms of the backup to Embiid. I know they got Millsap, but the the rebounding in the second unit, that, that that's probably going to take a hit. So maybe Embiid, they might have to force him to play uh, play some more minutes, although they don't want to risk that knowing, uh, knowing his injury history too. But just sticking with, with Harden in, in Philly, and it's going to be it's going to be awesome to see Embiid alongside another legit star, and yeah. if it if it all comes together, I absolutely can see the 76ers going going close to at least a conference finals this year. It, it, That's all it. Things coming together. That's well, it. Like it's still, not... it's still it's still going to take a lot for them to get by a, a Milwaukee or 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 Brooklyn. It's still going to take a lot for them to do that. Man. Okay, I thought you'd be a little higher on them. Um, man, that would <laughs> that that would be. I mean, that would be exactly what Stephen A. is talking about. Is is this is this is the deal that that does them in? If if they got rid of um, their depth and then they just don't make it, I this is championship or bust for both teams. I think this is an Eastern Conference Finals uh, appearance for the 76ers. I mean, it it needs to be. It do, it, do, it does need to be. I'm just trying to kind of yeah. not not go too all in on it because I I I really want to because you know how big I am on Embiid and adding a guy like Harden to him is is huge. But yeah, you just you just think there's still some limitations to to Harden and what he can do, and you just want to see if any of those kind of fade away a bit now that he's uh, going to be happier uh, apparently in uh, in the situation in Philly. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be so much that that the 76ers gain from this, because when you watch when you watch the 76ers recently, I mean, for as good as Embiid is creating offense, they needed a guard. They needed a true uh, shot creator, a true playmaker from the guard position because they, they were relying so much on Maxi recently. I mean, Maxi's great, but he's so young, like there, there's too many moments where, you know, he's he's doing everything he can to create his own shot and to, to get to the rim. And it's been fantastic, but to have a guy who can legitimately create offense for others at such a, a high rate is going to be huge for them. Cause they haven't really had that. And relying on, I mean, Seth Curry, I mean, he's, he's good. 
in, in terms of playmaking, but he is not the guy that you want to be running the point. You don't want him to be trying to create offense for others, but Harden's meant for that. He's built for that. And Harris has to do less of that. Uh, Maxi has to do less of that. You'll see um, just replacing Curry's minutes with Harden's just in terms of the playmaking is going to do a lot for these other guys because they have, they have shooters. I mean, Danny Green's had, had a resurgence. Um, Thibault, if, if he can continue um, uh, hitting the three, if, if that continues to improve, I mean, Niang's a great off-ball shooter. Um, and Korkmaz, too. I mean, you have so many of these guys that you give them the ball and you're expecting them to do something with it that honestly shouldn't. So just the addition by subtraction from the amount of playmaking that you expect from all these other guys and then adding Harden into that mix, I think it's going to do enough to unlock not just the, the potential of Embiid, but some of these other players. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. It's 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 an important move, and obviously, like we keep saying, it's it's one that that really has to work for Philly. This is the time. This is time for the the process to come true. The um, they've they've lost one one member of the process to to, to get where they are now, but they've lost is, a lot of members of the process. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a graveyard. There's a graveyard. Simmons and Embiid, though. So they've, they've split that up, and now they've they've got the star. They've got what Murray wanted. Now it's time to kick into action and go out and get that chip that you've been wanting for so damn long. Um, the the team that you think they might not get through, they, they got a little better. The Bucks get Serge Ibaka, two second-round picks, and a four-team deal, which a lot happened here. Uh, the Kings get DiVincenzo, Lyles, Josh Jackson, um, DiVincenzo, a guy that the Bucks have been trying to uh, get some value out of for weeks now. Um, Clippers get Rodney Hood and can't remember who else. It doesn't matter. The Pistons get Marvin Bagley. They f- the Kings finally freed Marvin Bagley, the, the biggest error that's just screaming on that team will always just be reminded of the fact that Kings didn't take Luca. And maybe Bagley can finally figure things out uh, on a burgeoning young team in Detroit. But the I think the big piece of this, two things for me. Um, we'll, we'll get to the Kings in a second. But for the Bucks, size has been an issue for them. Um, you know, I love Brooke Lopez, but I I didn't really I didn't really expect his presence to be missed as much as it has been this year. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a big reason why at times you know they they've struggled defensively. Um, they're still a great defensive team, but they're not as elite as they were with Lopez. And I'm not sure how much Baca has left, but for the Bulls, I was very interested in them swinging a deal like this for for Baca. And I'm I'm pretty bummed we didn't get into that. Uh, but DiVincenzo, I guess, to to many teams had more value than teams like the Bulls had to offer. But what, what do you what do you think of this? Does this does this give them the right kind of depth, you know, they got Bobby Portis. Um, it was pretty obvious that Semi Ojale, that, that's the guy I'm thinking of, that's going to the Clippers. Semi Ojale was not the answer to replace PJ Tucker. Abaka, limited minutes, key minutes, very important minutes in terms of his defensive presence and stretching the floor. Uh, I, I think that's going to be pretty big for them. Um, I'm, I'm curious to think if you feel the same way. Yeah, I think I, I, I'd be on a similar ilk to you there now. Um, obviously, it was a big blow to them losing, losing Lopez, but I think they probably did as well as they could in, in finding a big to kind of cover up uh, that the the missing piece of, of Brooke Lopez. I think, they, I think they did well here. I think Sergio Baca is still 
still can provide key minutes and I think they won't push him too hard in the regular season and, and want him ready to to be a, an important contributor come the postseason. Yeah, and uh, re- real quick on the Kings, super quick, because we have so many other traits to get to, but uh, staying aggressive, DiVincenzo, um, great add on the wing mm-hmm. as a two-way player. I mean, they, he's a winning guy. He's a system guy, and I think the Kings really need a lot of that right now. And Lyles from the Pistons, he's proven to be uh, a great stretch big, much better on the boards than he's been before. Josh Jackson, I mean, he's just floated around the league. I don't think too much of that. But just showing that the Kings are still really, really, really committed to not letting it be. What is it? Would it be a 15th consecutive season not making the playoffs? 15, I want to say. Around that anyway, yeah. But um, at any rate, you know, they've they've been aggressive and they've made big moves here. Last one being controversial, but hey, look at how Fox and uh, Sabonis played. Played pretty damn well. And DiVincenzo seems like another guy who's going to really benefit from the playmaking of Sabonis. And Lyles seems like a guy, too, who has a stretch big. Look, look at all the shot, open shots Harrison Barnes got last night. You're going to see a lot of that from guys like Lyles, too. Um, Juma Okiki, all, all the open uh, rim runs he had with Sabonis out there. It, pay attention to the, the Kings. It, it wasn't too long ago that it was Kings, the Suns, the Nuggets, and they're all in this mix of these these emerging Western conference teams. And we thought the Kings might've been that kind of team. And this is another chance for them to reclaim that. Cause I think you might see something new. And this is just another example of their front office, I think being empowered to make the right kind of roster moves for this team. Yeah. They've been aggressive and it's great to see. I mean, you still think with the Kings, you, you still never really know. You always think it's going to go wrong somewhere, but definitely like the aggression. Devin Chanzo is definitely a, uh, Definitely another another smart ad, and the fact that he's been playing as part of this uh, dominant uh, Milwaukee team, he's definitely going to bring a lot to a Kings team that are looking to only just to push into the the play in there at, the, at this moment. I think he's definitely going to be a guy who can add add important minutes, add important shooting and scoring to to this team that they kind of some might think they lost a bit with uh, with Halliburton. So yeah, it's good to see the Kings remaining aggressive. And I think obviously the Pistons and the Clippers, the Clippers just did this to 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 clear out a bit of money. Uh, Pistons maybe hopefully Bagley can kind of figure out something there, but I think Milwaukee and and the Kings did uh, did well out of this deal. Um, I I don't I haven't fact checked myself here. Maybe I'll I'll double check that right now. But I want to say that Rodney Hood has been traded at the last three, maybe four trade deadlines. He's just been the, like, it's funny. You you sign these really team-friendly deals, and the ironic part of it is that you then become the best trade asset that could be just thrown in and all these details, and all these deals. Um, You see these guys uh, signing these these mid-level type deals, and they're just thrown in everywhere. Um, But do we we have any any head scratches we want to get to here? We've... We've got it, man. It was crushed into like what, like the last, it was like the last three hours, the final three hours. Um, and I'll, I'll say this let, let me nom- nominate this one. The, the one that came absolutely out of left field, absolutely out of left field. You're already shaking your head. I already know you, you know what I'm going to say. Kristaps Przingis mm-hmm. for Davis Bertans, Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I, I don't know if they're, I, I think, uh, second round pick coming out of, uh, the, Dallas as well. Yeah. But I did not think number one, I didn't think that Chris Daps Przingis 
would get moved because of his deal. But I mean, yeah, if, if you take on two equally, equally poor players playing at the bottom of their value that mathematically add up to his contract. Yeah, that works. That's going to get done. But uh, I don't know. Can, can can you explain this to me? I I think there's, there's some potential explanations here, but it didn't make a lot of sense to me beginning. Still does. No, this, this kind of, this really, this one really came out of left field. I don't know. I was shocked when I saw it because the first thing I saw was uh, Dallas were trading for Dinwiddie, and then after that, it came out that <laughs> Porzingis was going to going to Washington, and and it's the main thing that shocked me is just oh my god, how much Kristaps Porzingis' value has dropped since since he's been in Dallas. Like my god, it's uh it's really disappointing from what we all thought this guy was going to be. I mean, you pick up a name like the unicorn and then this is what, this is all that he's been able to deliver. It's uh it's really disappointing. And it's, it's one that's, it's hard to make sense of it. I know when Dallas were kind of pushing the, I think they're happy to have got rid of his contract, but I think that they, I think they could have signed Dinwiddie in the summer, but they didn't want to pay him. And now, now they're going and taking him anyway. And it's, kind of just seems they're getting him just to get rid of Porzingis it's it's really a it's a weird one yeah a couple things come to mind here um one is his contract it's an albatross simply put and that 30 it's around 33 mil uh depending on what year you're in I think it's 36 it ends at 36 million through 2024 that contract you split it in half and those two guys potentially are easier to trade and you look at Dinwiddie who has had a really bad year and then you look at Bertans who's had a really bad year you potentially can convince yourself maybe these guys in a new scenario in this situation is going to benefit from Doncic they're going to benefit from playing alongside uh, a guy like Luca and they're going to rehab their value and they're going to get back to looking like good contracts. Cause you know, when Bertans was signed, it's a little high, it's a little high, like 16 million a year, but he was one of the best three point shooters in the league from the four position. That's not nothing. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie. I think he's two things to me. I think he's insurance for Jalen Brunson. If he decides to sign a massive contract elsewhere. And two, I think he's also a guy that, could definitely rehab some of his value on this team. Um, he's been great on ball. He's great off ball before too. Like he's he's kind of a, a Swiss army knife of point guards with his size, his ability on offense. I think defensively though, is where both these guys are going to be not, not to the liking of Jason Kidd with their recent uh, emphasis on defense. But offensively, if they can rehab their value, then maybe you trade one of them. And that that's getting more value out of what, uh, Przingis could not do and I think they had enough time to see what KP could do on the floor to decide that's not changing maybe these two guys will change and maybe we'll be able to move on and get more flexibility out of it but in terms of return like it wasn't a home run by any means but I don't think they're going to do much better than this to be honest and uh, no no uh, I think I think you're right the, the 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 angle that Dallas is looking at it but at the moment it just looks like a 
a really bad move from them. And, and it's just, you say it's decent enough from Washington because Dinwiddie seemed like he was becoming a bit of a poison within their team. So it's kind of good to to get him, get him out of Washington. But you know he's capable of being a solid role player in a team. And if Bertans yeah. can can get back to that sort of form that that earned on the contract that he's on now, I think there, there's definitely some potential there. And, and it's a couple of guys that could become important trade assets for Dallas. And that's something they desperately need. Yeah. And, and Washington wasn't done here. They also traded Montrez Harrell to the Hornets to get Ish Smith back and Vernon Carey Jr. Um, my instant reaction to this for the Hornets. Yes, they got their center. They got a center, not the center. But let's be real here. Trez doesn't bring the rim protection you really wanted. And the Hornets are already good offensively. Like, Montrez Harrell is awesome on offense. His energy, his relentless attack on the boards, his ability to put pressure with his rim running, it's great. But, I mean, they're already good at that. You know? Like, they, I feel like they bring that from the wing position with playing, I mean, small, big. But I, I don't really see that this is a needle mover. And I, you know, it's, it's a move that I think helps, but I, I think they could have done better here. Uh, and I think also that for the Hornets, I mean, they've been really good offensively, but their defense has really collapsed at times this season. I mean, that's why they're a 500 team. They're a high octane offense. I mean, they're going to drop, they could drop 140 any night if they get hot. And I guess Harold can pay dividends and really fitting into that system if they go all in on that, but this could really compound their defensive issues. I, I think that, you know, you play him significant minutes and their defense is going to be more consistently bad than it already is. Yeah. I think, I guess the, I think I look at the trade, just think they're kind of going in all in on their, their, uh, their offense really here with, with this sort of move. I mean, I think they know that that's where their, their strength lies and he can definitely add a bit on that end. And I think that's, that's what they've gone for here. Just, just, retooling in the in the right area the area that that's brought them to the level that they're currently at and then maybe come off season they'll look at players that can shore them up a bit more defensively I think for them I think they're kind of just thinking offenses are key uh, this season they're not under any pressure really to to be right up there challenging this year so I think they've just said let's get someone in that can that can do a few bits for us and add even more to this already already potent offense yeah, but question that came to my mind, and I was pretty high on him in the draft. Where's Kai Jones? Like, did they did they just send him? Did they just send him to the G League? I, I don't even I don't even know if he's played. Has he played a single minute? Um, like the, the Hornets haven't seemed to use him at all. Um, apparently, I guess there are rumors that the the Spurs wanted to trade for him, but um, that kid. Wish he could get some more run. Um, I'm concerned. The reason that came to mind is because what I'm concerned about is, you know, the Hornets have done an awesome job developing their young guys. Really, really awesome. Look at what Bridges is doing. PJ Washington's come along real nicely. Lamella Ball's an all-star. Book night, we'll see how, how good he is, but he's had some good flashes. I'd hate to see PJ Washington in particular not get more run because he's really added to his game over the few seasons, and, and he's been – a great small ball center. He can play the four. He can defend wings. And he does things defensively that Trez cannot do at all. Mm-hmm. To replace to replace even 
a large portion of his minutes with Trez, I think is not just bad for the team, but bad for Washington too. Um, PJ is a guy that, you know, is a lot of teams want a lot of teams wanted him at the trade deadline, but they're not willing to discuss because for good reason, he's a great young player. That's really coming to his own. So why trade for a guy that's going to take away minutes from him and not really help you in the places you really need that. I I don't know. It, It seems like there's a disconnect between what they need strategically on the floor and what the front office did, you know, just bringing in a name or bringing in a, a center. I don't, that, that's just how I feel about it. Yeah, no, that, 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 I think that, that's a fair, a fair thought. It was definitely, there's definitely a, definitely an, an element of that, that all right. What about um, the Spurs? Uh, they're, 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 they're finally making a, making a few moves, um, getting in Dragic just to buy him out, it seems, but they got a, Got, got, a first a first, pick. got a first round pick for it. So they, they, they did. did well. They did. Um, I'm personally really pissed off about that because so they they trade Thad Young, who hasn't played this year. Like he's barely played this year. Thad Young was a massive part of the Bulls last year. Fantastic playmaker in the post, really good defender. Just anything you you could possibly ask for from, from a veteran big. And he does it at a high level. And he's the kind of guy that you add him to a good team and he can make everyone around him better. And I'm curious to see, you know, the Raptors have done so many things. Nick Nurse has, has retooled this, uh, this roster, um, minutes, rotations, play of who's, who has the ball more. Like he's done so many different things throughout the entire season. So interesting to see what he'll do with Thad Young because, I mean, Siakam has been cooking. Um, they've done really well with with all their wings there and all their bigs. Adding another big into the mix that's not a true center, I don't think they'll buy him out because he's that good. But if, if they can utilize him correctly, I mean, that's that's going to be even better for a team that, in my opinion, has been rising. Yeah, yeah. It, it, he could have a good impact. I think you, you believe always believe he has gone to a team like uh, like Toronto. I think, uh, you know, the coach like Nick Nurse, you think he, he'll know exactly what he wants to get from uh, from Thad Young and he, he'll be able to instill him right into the team to, to, to get, uh, to get a, a lot out of him. I think they're happy to get rid of Dragic. They don't have to go through the process of buying him out. It's just going to be interesting now to see where he goes. Is that still going to be Dallas? Is there other teams that are, that, that are going to be looking at it? That, that, that's, a, that's going to be an interesting one there too. They also, the Spurs also picked up a first rounder in yep. the trade with the Celtics. So yep. Derek White's headed to Boston, Josh Richardson and Romeo Langford are headed to the Spurs. And that was another, uh, that's a 2022 first that's only top four protected. So that, that that's a really that's good gonna convey. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um for the Celtics, um, they, the, cool to end on the Spurs, I, I think it's good that they're they're in asset uh allocation mode. They've I think they're they've had enough time with with Derek White, who's fantastic, but you know, his ceiling is limited. You got Josh Primo in there. You got um, Vassell that you want to develop, Keldon Johnson. And I think Derek White has hit pretty much the ceiling. I think he's going to get back to shooting well. But what he brings to the Celtics, I mean, the Celtics are absolutely double down, doubling down on defense. Mm-hmm. And Derek White, he's not having a career year from three, but he is still a menace defensively. Any backcourt facing Marcus Smart and Derek White, that is not going to be a fun night for any, for any team in the league. So – I think it's a great move for them. You get the defense that you absolutely were not getting from Shooter. 
you get reliable playmaking that you weren't getting from Shooter. And I, I feel like Derek White represents to me what long-term they probably would have wanted from Peyton Pritchard. Um, and you, you hope that White can get back into a shooting groove that he's had for most of his season, or most of his career, rather. Um, but also Celtics, same thing. Acquired, get they get back Daniel Tice. He's a huge fan favorite for Boston. Um, and in that way, they finally get rid of Schroeder. And uh, hopefully, I think Tice can finally get on a team here where he can be used correctly. But, you know, I, I kind of thought the Celtics were in just ducking the tax mode, just saving money. But I think they make a couple moves on the margins here that really make sense for what their team identity has been for the past uh, couple months. Yeah, it sort of looked like that when they made that trade with, uh, with the Magic where they traded that second rounder to get rid of P.J. Dozer, Bobo, and uh, and uh, and, uh, and then the second rounder as well. I think uh, plus, plus ca- cash considerations to, to the Magic. That's where, the, that's where it kind of looked. And then they... They went from there and made, made the moves for White and Tice. It's uh they've 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 done they're they're going in on their defense. I guess that's that's an area that that, that uh, their coach thinks is a is a slight weakness for them, or maybe it's just something he was looking they've been to awesome. strengthen. They've yeah, been that, they've it, been one of, of the best top five defenses in the league the past couple months. Which, which way is he looking at it? I'm wondering. Either way, they've they definitely improved on that, and now it's just a question of getting their offense to be a bit more consistent. They've got the defensive cover. Uh, from the first and second units, that's that's a big thing for them, and I think that's always always a good place to start. You find uh, get your get a solid defensive system set up, and then you can develop the offense from there. So I think they're they're planning it right this year. Still, almost you kind of think of it as as a write off. They 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 are getting better, but you still don't think of them as challengers this year. And you just hope then that that this is all building towards a big a big season next year. Yeah. Um, two more here. So we're running out of time. Uh, unless, unless I'm missing any big ones, but uh, Pacers, they send Tory Craig to the Suns for Jalen Smith. Uh, Tory Craig making another return to the Suns. Um, you know, the Suns have been awesome. You don't even have to get into that. I think Tory Craig will be just fine there, but Jalen Smith has not got a lot of run for the Suns. And when he has, I, I thought it's been quite nice um, doing what we thought he'd do in the NBA being, a pick and pop big stretching the floor doing well from the corner being a good switchable defender from the four position you play small ball five i think he's a really really easy copy and paste version of what miles turner has been for the pacers for years now and that i don't know if turner is some sort of uh mentor or anything but if if jalen smith can learn from miles turner and just literally do exactly what he's done he has he has the frame for it he has the instincts for it and now, now you got Miles Turner. He's free to to basically do whatever he wants to do offensively. Like he, this is his. I don't know if I'll say this is his team, but kind of in a way, like he has now the chance to do more things. All the things that he's said he's wanted to do from the from the five position. So it, it'll be it'll be kind of fun little little experiment here to see if uh, Jalen Smith just basically replaces Miles Turner, and then Miles Turner has a chance to figure things out. And if he doesn't. That's also the Pacers' insurance to, you know, maybe move on from them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I really like the idea of of Smith being able to grow in, in Indiana. I think it's a better situation for him at this time of his career that than being in uh, than being in Phoenix. So yeah, I, I, I really like that move. Yeah. Um, last one because we've just been hate. I I don't know if hating is a word, but confused at what the Blazers have been doing. Um, they get Nikhil Alexander Walker in the door. Just we talked about that's a nice addition to their 
their small treasure trove. Is it a treasure trove? Is it a treasure chest, a box, wallet? I don't know. <laughs> something, something relatively small. Um, they deal him to Utah. Um, I, why? Why? I, I, I really don't understand. So the Jazz get Nikhil Alexander-Walker in a three-team trade. Juancho, Hernan Gomez from San Antonio. The Blazers get Joe Ingles, Elijah Hughes, who? Second-round pick. And Spurs get Thomas Sadoransky in a second-round pick. What? what why? What are, what are the Blazers doing? I, I don't understand. Like, they, they're barely clearing off more cat. Like, let, let's put this in perspective here. As it stands right now, with all these moves that they've done, and, and this is, I think this is classic, like second rate front office moving because they've only cleared 20 mil in cap space this summer. And that doesn't even crack, I think, the top three in cap space, which belongs right now, I think, to the Spurs and Detroit, maybe, maybe they're the third. But for all the moves they've done, I don't think they've really given themselves more flexibility. And it definitely makes more sense that they would have held on to Keel Alexander Walker as a young asset to put in a trade. So it's this, maybe there's a better explanation for it, but this seems like a really short-sighted deal just to get a little bit more free cap space. Yeah, I think there's too much focus from uh, from Portland on, on trying to just inch inch that little bit more uh, better to, to give themselves more more cap space, that, that bit of extra money to play with to, to try and sign some big stars. But we all know that they've never really been very good at that. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's uh, a a silly move from their from their front office. Is not no no doubt about that. Regardless of what uh, Alexander Walker does uh, in uh, in Utah or anything like that, it's just it just wasn't really it wasn't a move that needed to be made, and it wasn't one that they should have made. It's just as simple. As yeah, that. even just the idea of what he could be is what's valuable, and you're gonna have so many minutes for him. Like the the Blazer, and well, let's not even talk about the fact that the Blazers just kicked the Lakers ass last night um oh god whatever but there's gonna be plenty of minutes for for him there and uh we we won't stretch this this pod too long just getting on it but I think this is an important learning lesson I think when you compare front offices and you see the kind of moves they do I think the the less successful front offices over over prepare and they show their hand early I mean it's clear they're just trying to clear clear cap and try and sign a guy outright, which works for teams like the Lakers, which works for big uh, markets like the Nets. Um, but you see some teams like, I'll keep using the Bulls as an example, because I think Arturis Karnaschovas made amazing moves. They had zero cap space last year, and through sign-in trades and deals like that, they were able to get Lonzo in the door, use exceptions to, to get uh, Crusoe in the door, sign trade to get DeRozan, like, there are ways to do this without cap. And the last thing you want to do is get rid of asset, like young assets. Like you don't hit on, on guys, like even guys like Mikhail Alexander Walker. I mean, he's not a blue chip prospect, but he's still a valuable young guy, but we'll see how that plays out. Maybe we're all, we all look dumb in the summer and Portland signs some megastar. I don't know, but uh, Hey, maybe it's a, uh, wait, no, J- James Harden, James Harden did opt in. Is it Kyrie Irving? Is he left? Does he have to resign this yeah, summer? I'm pretty he's, sure he's got a player option. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, that that's long and far away. I can't think of any more player movement now. My head will just explode. So I, I think that's just about all I can take. 
yeah, I think that's fair enough. But let's just put this. The, the trade deadline did live up in a way that I did not think that it was going to. It seemed like it was all too quiet. Nothing was happening, but we got the big explosion. We got the huge trade that we wanted on deadline day. And yeah, an another good one. The, the, the trade deadline doesn't always live up, but this year it certainly has. Yeah, I'll, at least I was one for two. I was right about it being big, but I just was not not expecting the Harden trade. But uh, can't wait for all these revenge games coming up. That's what's going to be fun. These Brooklyn, uh, Philadelphia matchups, um, Kings and Pacers. <laughs> Mark your calendars for Kings and Pacers matchups. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, guys, thanks for being with us to uh, rant, to just have this crazy time. I, I don't even know. If anything we said was correct, these are instant reactions. Didn't even have time to prepare and make sure that I was right about things I said. But we're all just shocked. We're, we're shocked. We're in awe. And we'll be hopefully talking about the dominance of those teams that we discussed here moving forward. But we got something special coming up. We're, we're about to record with uh, a guest. Got to talk about the Timberwolves. So tune in to our next episode. It should be coming up shortly. Uh, should be a fun one. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.